Chapter Forty Three of The Deluge, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. The Deluge, Volume Two by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter Forty Three. After his conversation with Sakovich, Prince Bogoslav betook himself on the afternoon of the morrow directly to Bilovich. "'My benefactor,' said he to begin with, "'I was grievously to blame the last time we met, for I fell into anger in my own house. It is my fault, and all the more so that I gave this affront to a man of a family friendly to the Radzivils. But I come to implore forgiveness.' let a sincere confession be satisfaction to you and my atonement you know the radzivils of old you know that we are not in haste to beg pardon still since i was to blame before age and dignity i come without considering who i am with a penitent head and you old friend of our house will not refuse me your hand i am certain then he extended his hand and Bilovich, in whose soul the first outburst had passed, did not dare to refuse his own, though he gave it with hesitation. "'Your Highness, return to us our freedom. That will be the best satisfaction. You are free, and may go even to-day.' "'I thank your Highness,' said the astonished Bilovich. "'I interpose only one condition, which you, God grant, will not reject.' "'What is that?' asked Bilovich with fear." that you listen patiently to what i am going to say if that is all i will listen even till evening do not give me your answer at once but think an hour or two god sees that if i receive my freedom i wish peace you will receive your freedom but i do not know whether you will use it or whether you will be urgent to leave my threshold i should be glad were you to consider my house and all Torogi as your own but listen to me now do you know my benefactor why i was opposed to the departure of panna Bilovich? this is why because i divined that you wished to flee simply and i have fallen in love with your niece so that to see her i should be ready to swim a hellspont each day like leander Bilovich grew red again in a moment does your highness dare to say that to me to you especially my benefactor worthy prince seek your fortune with court ladies but touch not noble maidens you may imprison her you may confine her in a vault but you may not disgrace her i may not disgrace her said the prince but i bow down to the old man Bilovich and say to him listen father give me your niece as wife for i cannot live without her the sword-bearer was so amazed that he could not utter a word for a time he merely moved his moustaches and his eyes were staring then he began to rub his hands and look now on the prince now around the room at last he said is this in a dream or is it real do not hasten to convince you still further i will repeat with all the titles i bogoslav prince radzivill marshal of the grand principality of lithuania ask you tomasz bilovich sword-bearer of rostieni for the hand of your niece panna alexandra chief hunter's daughter is this true in god's name have you considered the matter 
I have considered. Now do you consider, my benefactor, whether the cavalier is worthy of the lady. My breath is stopped from wonder. Now see if I have any evil intentions. And would your highness not consider our small station? Are the Bilovitches so cheap? Do you value your shield of nobility and the antiquity of your family thus? Does a Bilovich say this? I know, gracious prince, that the origin of our family is to be sought in ancient Rome, but— But, interrupted the prince, you have neither hetmans nor chancellors. That is nothing. You are soldiers, like my uncle in Brandenburg. Since a noble in our commonwealth may be elected king, there are no thresholds too lofty for his feet. My sword-bearer, and God grant my uncle, I was born of a Brandenburg princess. My father's mother was an Ostrogsky, but my grandfather of mighty memory, Christoph I, he whom they call Thunder, Grand Hetman, Chancellor, and Voivoda of Vilna, was married the first time to Panna Sobek, but for this reason the coronet did not fall from his head, for Panasobek was a noble woman, as honorably born as others. When my late father married the daughter of the elector, they wondered why he did not remember his own dignity, though he allied himself with a reigning house. Such is the devilish pride of you nobles, but acknowledge, my benefactor, you do not think a Sobek better than a Bilovich, do you? Speaking thus, the prince began to tap the old man on the shoulder with great familiarity. The noble melted like wax, and answered, "'God reward your highness for honourable intentions. A weight has fallen from my heart. But now, if it were not for difference of faith—' "'A Catholic priest will perform the ceremony. I do not want another myself. I shall be thankful for this all my life, since here it is a question of the blessing of God—' which certainly the Lord Jesus would withdraw if some vile. Here the old man bit his tongue, for he saw that he was saying something disagreeable to the prince. But Boguslav did not notice it. He smiled graciously and said, And as to posterity, I shall not be stubborn, for there is nothing that I would not do for that beauty of yours. Bilovich's face grew bright as if a ray of the sun had fallen on it. Indeed! God has not been sparing of beauty to her, it is true. Oh, there will be a shout all over Jumud, and what will the Sitsinskis say when the Bilovitches increase so? They would not leave the old colonel at rest, though he was a man of Roman mould, respected by the whole commonwealth. We will drive them out of Jumud, worthy sword-bearer. O oh, great God, merciful God, undiscoverable are thy judgments, but if in them it lies that the Sitsinskis are to burst from envy, then let thy will be done. Amen, added Boguslav. Your Highness, do not take it ill that I do not clothe myself in dignity, as befits a person of whom a man asks a maiden, and that I show too evident rejoicing. But we have been here in vexation, not knowing what was awaiting us, and interpreting everything for the worst." It came to this that we thought evil of your highness, until it turns out that our fears and judgments were not just, and that we may return to our previous homage. I say this as if someone had taken a burden from my shoulders. And did Panna Alexandra judge me thus? She, even Cicero, could not have described properly her previous admiration for your highness. I think that only virtue and a certain inborn timidity stood in the way of love— but when she hears of the sincere intentions of your highness, then I am sure she will at once give the reins to her heart. 
cicero could not have said that better said boguslav with happiness comes eloquence but since your highness has been pleased to listen to everything i have said then i will be sincere to the last be sincere pan bilovich though this maiden is young she is a woman with a man's cast of mind altogether it is wonderful what a character she has where more than one man of experience would hesitate she hesitates not a moment what is evil she puts on the left what is good on the right and goes herself to the right as if it were sweet when she has once chosen the road even though there were cannon before her that is nothing to her she would not go aside for the cannon she is like her grandfather and me her father was a born soldier but mild her mother from the house of voynilovich was also strong-willed i am glad to hear this pan bilovich your highness will not believe how incensed she is against the swedes and all enemies of the commonwealth if she held any one guilty of treason she would feel an utter detestation of him though he were an angel and not a human being your highness forgive an old man who might be your father in years if not in dignity leave the swedes they are worse for the country than tartars move your troops against such sons and not only i but she will follow you to the field pardon me your highness pardon me now i have said what i had on my mind boguslav mastered himself after a moment's silence and said my benefactor you might have supposed yesterday but you may not suppose to-day that i wish merely to throw sand in your eyes when i say that i am on the side of the king and the country here under oath to you as a relative i repeat that what i stated touching peace and its conditions was the pure truth i too should prefer to march to the field for my nature draws me thither but because i saw that salvation was not in the field i was forced through simple devotion to seize another method and i can say that i have accomplished an unheard-of thing for after a last war to conclude a peace of such kind that the conquering power serves the conquered of this mazarin the most cunning of men need not be ashamed not panna alexandra alone but i equally with her bear hatred to the enemy but what is to be done how save this country not even hercules against many can conquer therefore i thought thus instead of destroying which would be easier and more amusing it is needful to save and since i have practised in affairs of this kind with great statesmen since i am a relative of the elector and since by reason of my cousin janusz i am well considered by the swedes i began negotiations and what their course was and what the benefit to the commonwealth was that you know an end of the war freedom from oppression for your catholic faith for churches for clergy for the estate of nobles and for the common people the assistance of the swedes in the war against moscow and the cossacks and god grant an extension of boundary and this all on one condition that karl gustav be king after jan casimir whoso has done more for his country in these times let him stand before my eyes true a blind man could see that but it would be very sad for the nobles that a free election will cease and which is more important an election or the country they are the same your highness for an election is the main basis of the commonwealth and what is the country if not a collection of laws privileges and liberties serving the nobles a king can be found even in a foreign land 
anger and disgust flew like lightning over Bogoslav's face. Karl Gustav, said he, will sign the Pacta Conventa, as his predecessors have signed it, and after his death we will elect whom we choose, even that Radzivill who will be born of your niece. The sword-bearer stood for a while as if dazzled by the thought. At last he raised his hand and cried with great enthusiasm, Consent, your, I agree. I think, too, that you would agree, even if the throne should become hereditary in our family. Such are you all, but that is a later question. Now it is necessary that the stipulations come to reality. You understand, my uncle. As true as life, it is necessary, repeated Bilovich with deep conviction. They must, for this reason, that I am a mediator agreeable to his Swedish majesty, and do you know for what reasons? Carl Gustav has one sister married to de la Garie, and another, Princess Bipon, still unmarried, and he wishes to give her to me, so as to be allied to our house and have a party in Lithuania. Hence his favor toward me, to which my uncle, the elector, inclines him. How is that? asked the disquieted sword-bearer. I would give all the princesses of Bipon for your dove, together with the principalities, not only of the two, but of all the bridges in the world. But I may not anger the Swedish beast, therefore I give willing ear to their discussions, but only let them sign the treaty, then we shall see. Would they be ready, then, not to sign, if they should discover that you were married? Worthy sword-bearer, said the prince with seriousness, you have condemned me of crookedness toward the country, but I, as a true citizen, ask you, have I a right to sacrifice public affairs to my private interests? Pan Tomash listened. What will happen, then? Think to yourself what must happen. As God is true, I see already that the marriage must be deferred, and the proverb says, what is deferred escapes. I will not change my heart, for I have fallen in love for life. You must know that, for faithfulness, I could put to shame the most enduring Penelope. Bilovich was alarmed still more, for he had an entirely opposite opinion touching the prince's constancy, confirmed as it was by Bogoslav's general reputation. But the prince added, as if for a finishing stroke, You are right, that no one is sure of his tomorrow. I may fall ill. Nay, some kind of sickness is coming on me even now, for yesterday I grew so rigid that Sakovich barely saved me. I may fall in a campaign against Sapia, and what delays, what troubles and vexations there will be, could not be written on an oxhide. By the wounds of God, give advice, your highness. What advice can I give? asked the prince. Though I should be glad myself to have the latch fall as soon as possible. Well, let it fall marry, and then what will be, will be. Boguslav sprang to his feet. By the holy gospel, with your wit you should be the chancellor of Lithuania. Another man would not have thought out in three days what has come to your mind in a twinkle. That is it. Marry, and remain quiet. There is sense in that. As it is, I shall march in two days against Sapia, for I must. During that time secret passages to the lady's chamber can be made, and then to the road. That is the head of a statesman. We will let two or three confidants into the secret and take them as witnesses, so that the marriage may be formal. I will write a contract, secure the jointure, to which I will add a bequest, and let there be silence for the time. My benefactor, I thank you. From my heart, I thank you. Come to my arms, 
and then go to my beauty i will wait for her answer as if on coals meanwhile i will send sakovitch for the priest be well father and god grant soon the grandfather of aradzivill when he had said this he let the astonished noble go from his embrace and rushed out of the room for god's sake said the sword-bearer recovering himself i gave such wise advice that solomon himself would not be ashamed of it and i should prefer to do without it a secret is a secret but break your head crush your forehead against a wall it cannot be otherwise a blind man can see that would that the frost might oppress and kill those swedes to the last if it were not for those negotiations the marriage would take place with ceremony and all jimid would come to the wedding but here a husband must walk to his wife on felt so as not to make noise Pff, to the deuce the Sitsinskis will not burst so soon yet praise be to god that bursting will not miss them when he had said this he went to olinka meanwhile the prince was taking further counsel with sakovitch the old man danced on two paws like a bear said the prince but he tormented the life out of me Oof! but i squeezed him so that i thought that the boots and straw would fly off his feet and when i called him uncle his eyes stuck out as if a keg of cabbage hash were choking him wait i will make you uncle but i have scores upon scores of such uncles throughout the whole world sakovitch i see how she is waiting for me in her room and she will receive me with her eyes closed and her hands crossed wait i will kiss those eyes for you sakovitch you will receive for life the estate of prudy beyond oshmiana when can plaska be here before evening i thank your highness for prudy that is nothing before evening that means any moment if the ceremony could be performed to-day even before midnight have you the contract ready i have i was liberal in the name of your highness i assigned birji as the jointure of the lady the sword-bearer will howl like a dog when it is taken from him afterward he will sit in a dungeon then he will be quiet even that will not be needed as soon as the marriage is invalid all will be invalid but did i not tell you that they would agree he did not make the least difficulty i am curious to know what she will say i care nothing about him oh they have fallen each into the arms of the other are weeping from emotion are blessing your highness and are carried away by your kindness and beauty i don't know that they are by my beauty for in some way i look wretched i am all the time out of health and i am afraid that yesterday's numbness will come again no you will take something warm the prince was already before the mirror it is blue under my eyes and that fool foray darkened my eyebrows crooked see if they are not crooked i'll give orders to thumbscrew him and make a monkey my body servant why does the old man not come i should like to go to the lady now for she will permit me to kiss her before the marriage how quickly it grows dark to-day if plaska flinches we must put pinchers into the fire plaska will not flinch he is a scoundrel from under a dark star and will he perform the marriage in scoundrel fashion a scoundrel will perform the marriage for a scoundrel in scoundrel fashion the prince fell into a good humour and said when there is a pander for best man there cannot be another kind of marriage for a while they were silent then both began to laugh but their laughter sounded with marvellous ill omen through the dark room 
night fell deeper and deeper the prince began to walk through the room striking audibly with his hammerstaff on which he leaned heavily for his feet did not serve him well after the last numbness now the servants brought in candelabra with candles and went out but the rush of air bent the flames of the candles so that for a long time they did not burn straight upward melting meanwhile much wax see how the candles are burning said the prince what do you prophesy from that that one virtue will melt to-day like wax it is wonderful how long that talk lasts maybe the spirit of old bilovitch is flying over the flames you are a fool answered Bogoslav abruptly you have chosen a time to talk of spirits silence followed they say in england said the prince that when there is a spirit in the room every light burns blue but see now they are burning yellow as usual trash answered sakovitch there are people in moscow but be still interrupted Bogoslav. the sword-bearer is coming no that is the wind moving the shutters the devils have brought that old maid of an aunt kulviets hippocentaris has any one ever heard of the like and she looks like a chimera if you wish your highness i'll marry her then she will not be in the way plaska will solder us while you are waiting well i will give her a maple spade as a marriage present and you a lantern so as to have something to light her way i will not be your uncle bogus remember castor answered the prince do not strike castor my pollux against the grain for he can bite further conversation was interrupted by the sword-bearer and panna Kulvietz. the prince stepped up to him quickly leaning on his hammer sakovitch rose well what may i go to olinka asked the prince the sword-bearer spread out his arms and dropped his head on his breast your highness my niece says that colonel bilovitch's will forbids her to decide her own fate and even if it did not forbid she would not marry your highness not having the heart to do so sekovitch do you hear said Bogoslav with a terrible voice i too knew of that will continued the sword-bearer but at the first moment i did not think it an invincible impediment i jeer at the wills of you nobles said the prince i spit on your wills do you understand but we do not jeer at them said the aroused pantomosh and according to the will the maiden is free to enter the cloister or marry kmita whom you sorry fellow kmita i'll show you kmita i'll teach you whom do you call sorry fellow a bilovitch and the sword-bearer caught at his side in the greatest fury but Bogoslav, in one moment struck him on the breast with his hammer so that bilovitch groaned and fell to the floor the prince then kicked him aside to open a way to the door and rushed from the room without a hat jesus mary joseph cried panna Kulvietz. but sakovitch seizing her by the shoulder put a dagger to her breast and said quiet my little jewel quiet dearest dove or i will cut thy sweet throat like that of a lame hen sit here quietly and go not upstairs to thy niece's wedding but in panna Kulvietz there was knightly blood too therefore she had barely heard the words of sakovitch when straightway her terror passed into despair and frenzy ruffian bandit pagan cried she slay me for i will shout to the whole commonwealth the brother killed the niece disgraced i do not wish to live strike slay robber people come see 
Sakovich stifled further words by putting his powerful hand over her mouth. Quiet, crooked distaff, dried rue, said he. I will not cut thy throat, for why should I give the devil that which is his anyhow? But lest thou scream like a peacock before roosting, I will tie up thy pretty mouth with thy kerchief, and take a lute and play to thee of sighs. It cannot be, but thou wilt love me. So saying, the Sarosa of Osmiana, with the dexterity of a genuine pickpocket, encircled the head of Panna Kulvietz with her handkerchief, tied her hands in the twinkle of an eye, and threw her on the sofa. Then he sat by her, and stretching himself out comfortably, asked her as calmly as though he had begun an ordinary conversation. Well, what do you think? I suppose Bogus will get on as easily as I have. With that he sprang to his feet, for the door opened, and in it appeared Panna Alexandra. Her face was as white as chalk, her hair was somewhat dishevelled, her brows were frowning, and threat was in her eyes. Seeing her uncle on the floor, she knelt near him and passed her hand over his head and breast. The sword-bearer drew a deep breath, opened his eyes, half raised himself, and began to look around in the room, as if roused from sleep. Then, resting his hand on the floor, he tried to rise, which he did after a while with the help of the lady. Then he came with tottering step to a chair, into which he threw himself. Only now did Alinka see Panna Kulvietz lying on the sofa. "'Have you murdered her?' asked she of Sakovich. "'God preserve me,' answered the starosta of Ashmiana. "'I command you to unbind her.' There was such power in that voice that Sakovich said not a word as if the command had come from Princess Radzivill herself, and began to unbind the unconscious Panna Kulvietz. "'And now,' said the lady, "'go to your master who is lying up there.' "'What has happened?' cried Sakovich, coming to himself. "'You will answer for him.' "'Not to thee, serving-man. Be off.' Sakovich sprang out of the chamber as if possessed. End of chapter 43